Section 22 On Anything This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. On Anything by Hilaire Belloc. Section 22 On Hans Christian Andersen. What a great thing it is in this perplexed, confused, and if not unhappy, at least unrestful time, to come across a thing which is cleanly itself. What a pleasure it is amid our entwining controversies to find straightness and among our confused noise accord. Hans Christian Andersen is a good type of that simplicity, and his own generation recognized him at once. Now when those contemporaries who knew him best are for the most part dead, their recognition is justified. Of men for whom so much and more is said by their contemporaries, how many can stand the test which his good work now stands, and stands with a sort of sober triumph. Contemporary praise has a way of gathering dross. We all know why. There is the fear of this, the respect for that. There is the genuine unconscious attachment to a hundred unworthy and ephemeral things. There is the chance philosophy of the moment overweighing the praise-giver. In a word, perhaps not half a dozen of the great men who wrote in the generation before our own would properly stand this test of a neat and unfringed tradition. It is not to be pretended that according to that test so must men be judged. Many of the very greatest, Hugo for instance, and in his line Huxley, a master of English, or again, to go further back, the great Byron would not pass the test. Things have been said about most men, great or little in our fevered time, so exaggerated, so local, and so lacking balance, whether of experience or of the fear of posterity, that contemporary opinion should not be allowed by its misfortunes to weigh them down. But a man has a quality of his own when he is so made that even his contemporaries do him justice, and that was the case with Hans Christian Andersen. I will bargain that if our letters survive five hundred years, this excellent writer will quietly survive. Even the French may incorporate him. And next it is the business of one who praises so much to ask in what the excellence of this writer consists. It is threefold. In the first place he always said what he thought. In the second place he was full of all sorts of ways of saying it and in the third place he said only what he had to say. To say what one thinks, that is to tell the truth, is so exceedingly rare that one may almost call it a grace in a man. Just those same manifold strings which pull contemporary criticism hither and thither, and which have made me suggest above that contemporary criticism commonly belittles a man in the long run, just those same strings pull at every writer, to make him conform to what he knows to be false in his time. But some men, with limitations, it is true, and only by choosing a particular framework, manage to tell the truth all their lives. Those men, if they have other literary qualities, are secure of the future. And this leads me to the second point, which is that Anderson could not only tell the truth, but tell it in twenty different ways, and of a hundred different things. Now this character has been much exaggerated among literary men in importance. 
because literary men perceiving it to be the differentiation which marks out the great writer from the little think it to be the main criterion of letters it is not the main criterion but it is a permanent necessity in writing there is no great writing without this multiplicity which is sometimes called imagination sometimes experience and sometimes judgment but which is in its essence a proper survey of the innumerable world this quality it is which makes the great writers create what are called characters and whether we recognize those characters as portraits drawn from the real world they are such in balzac or as figments they are such in dickens or as heroines and heroes they are such in shakespeare and in homer if you will excuse me yet that they exist and live in the pages of the writer means that he had in him that quality of contemplation which corresponds in our limited human nature to the creative power lastly i say that anderson said what he had to say and no more this quality in writers is not restraint a futile word dear to those who cannot write it is rather a sort of chastity in the pen the writer of this kind is one who unconsciously does not add if any one were to ask him why he should not add an ornament or anything suppositious he would be bewildered and perhaps might answer why should i the instinct behind it is that which produces all terseness all exactitude and all economy in style anderson then had all those three things which make a great writer and a very great writer he is note that he chose his framework or at any rate that he was persuaded to it he could not have been so complete had he not addressed himself to children and it is his glory that he is read in childhood there is no child but can read hans christian anderson and i at least have come across no man who having read him in childhood does not continue to read him throughout life he wrote nothing that was not for the enlivening or the sustenance or the guiding of the human soul he wrote nothing that suggested questions only if one may speak of him in terms of a trifle antiquated or rather the moment old-fashioned he was instinct with charity and therefore he is still full of life having said so much of anderson in general something should be said of him in particular he was northern you always feel as you read him that if his scene is laid in the open air the air is fresh and often frosty that if he is talking indoors the room is cosy and often old certain passions which the north lack are lacking in him both upon their good and upon their evil side he is never soldierly and he is never revengeful he is never acute with the desire for life but again he is never envious those who read him who are also northern may well be in love with denmark it is a triumph of our civilization that this little land quite outside the limits of the roman empire not riven by any of the empires great vital resurrections undisturbed by the vision of the twelfth and of the thirteenth centuries spared from the march of napoleon's armies should be so completely european what could be more european today than that well-organized contented peasant state it is a good irony to put against the blundering prophecies of barbaric people that beyond the germanies this secure and happy state exists one might put it in a phrase a little too epigrammatic 
and say that as one reads Hans Christian Andersen, one remembers Elsinore, and one recalls the good architect of Copenhagen. If ever any misfortune again shall threaten that state, and if barbarism attempt to play the fool with it, something that really is the conscience of Europe, and not the empty and sham organization to which that phrase is too often prostituted, will arise and protect the Danes. The end of section 22.